Inside Vegas is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as the Sports Gaming Podcast Network. Use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by OddShark. OddShark has the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all of their quality content and betting trends at OddShark.com. Your boy CP here with another greatest and latest installment of Inside Vegas podcast is going to take you into a look all things social media and Las Vegas handicapping. So like I said before, the first couple episodes of this podcast were the introduction, Super Bowl props and Super Bowl reaction. But this podcast is going to be getting back to what it was created for, which is, again, taking a look at things from social media, how social media has changed landscapes of sports handicapping, as well as Las Vegas personalities and things like that. So today I'm going to be joined by John Campbell of Odd Shark. I'm sure you guys have all heard the podcast he's done with Sean and Ryan lately, uh, his, his picks and all that stuff that are on Odd Shark. But today I'm going to have John on for a bit of a different reason, different aspect. Uh, what I want to do today is take a look at somewhat of a broad look at sports media and specifically how to break into the field. John's an analyst for Odd Shark, like I said, and he's really one of the premier content providers in this industry. And one question that I get among many in my DMs, basically daily is how people can get started creating content and work for some of these outlets like odd shark, like creating content for companies like covers or ESPN chalk sports line for CBS, or uh, even, you know, written blogs like sports insights, all that stuff. So that's what we're going to detail today for anyone that's basically looking to kind of get started in the sports handicapping content world. But before we do that, let's talk about mybookie.ag. The Inside Vegas podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of Inside Vegas and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. As always, use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50 deposit, 50% deposit bonus today. We're also brought to you by OddShark. They have the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all their picks at OddShark.com. And now joining me on the phone is the one and only John Johnny Oddshark, as they say, John Campbell, a uh, friend of the podcast, friend of Sports Gambling Podcast, um, especially with the new kind of uh, joint venture uh, with Odd Shark coming on to somewhat sponsor Sports Gambling Podcast and do some business. So welcome on, John. How are you? Hey, good, Christian. Thanks for having me, man. How is how is the Great White North this time of year, buddy? Cold? What's going on? It, it, it's cold. We're freezing our butts off right now. So uh, yeah, a little bit longer to go. Another month or so. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone that's not familiar with all the great content and the great work that John does, uh, John is. What is your official title at Odd Shark? We'll start there for what your current role is. Sports analyst is my title, but uh, yeah, I handle uh, a lot of different sports betting content and all our media appearances and that sort of thing. 
Right. And again, everything can be found on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark or again on the Oddshark website, which is www.oddshark.com. So again, as I touched on leading into this interview, this the theme of this particular piece in this particular podcast is basically how to break into sports handicapping from a media perspective. Some some of the questions I get almost on a daily basis in my DMs, I'm sure John can attest to this, is you know, how do I how do I break into this field? Because in some ways, I mean, yes, it's it's ever growing, it's ever booming, but it's still almost in its infancy. Obviously, it's it's come so far, but it's still almost a niche market. There's not, you know, sports handicapping media isn't you know a, a major in college, as you say that that you can kind of take on. So uh, let's just start basically from the beginning, John, and kind of how you got to the point that you are uh, today. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I always wanted to do something in sports and, and I love media and communications and that sort of thing. So I, uh, took journalism in university as we call it up here. And, uh, I got a bachelor of journalism degree here and, uh, I just kind of assumed I'd be covering a beat in, in sports, but there was, there was a small company here locally that, uh, was just getting going, uh, called covers and they were, don't know if you heard of it. Yeah, a little shop. And it really and it really was that we were upstairs in a shopping mall. I think I was the twelfth person hired. And uh, it caught my eye and I went in and kind of met them and developed a bit of a relationship. And uh, they hired me right out of school. And uh, very quickly I became the editor there and uh, just was sort of given the reins to to say, here you go, you, you take us where where you want to go. Let's figure out a path of how to how to build some editorial that people would want to consume. And at the time, and this was 16 years ago, I guess it was it was still really new. There weren't a ton of a ton of uh, entities on the internet where people were going to on a regular basis uh, for their sports betting information. So we're really just feeling it out, and and uh, it, it was really cool for me because uh, I, I was I was like a deer in the headlights in some senses, but in in another sense, I you know I I knew nobody has really figured this thing out yet. So uh, I, I just kind of dug in and, and worked really hard and and uh, eventually built an editorial um, an editorial following for all of our editorial content I think we're getting like 10,000 pages a month or something on the editorial front when Which I started is so and, much for back then man that's awesome I mean that's, yeah for what for how I mean especially 2000 what's 2002 2003 for you know I mean that's that's before DFS people have to realize before all these things that kind of took off so to for you to get that and again not, not to sound like I'm all over you but that's that's pretty amazing for when you when you think back to where sports gambling and, and sports gambling media was back then yeah for sure and 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 it had developed a little bit of a name covers and uh, the company was growing and they had some partnerships and uh, it, the the web traffic was bigger than that but that was just the editorial side of things and uh, by the time I left we were up over four million a month or so and uh, it, it was just a lot of found a lot of great people on the along the way that that bought in as much as I did and and uh, really built uh, a pretty cool editorial product there that became pretty well known and uh, uh, a couple years ago, I'd been there 14 years, and, and it was time for a change. And and uh, luckily, Oddshark took me on, and just uh, it's been an awesome two years. It's just a fantastic company to work for, great people, and, and uh, just having a blast. And just sitting here talking about it, man, I don't, I don't think about it too much how I got here and, and uh, how it all happened. But it's pretty cool. It's been it's been a fun uh, fun roller coaster. 
Yeah, that's the thing. You never have time to kind of sit back and realize how how you got to the points you're at. I mean, even with me, that's I mean, I've only been kind of doing content full time for you know maybe a year now uh, with Sports Gambling Podcast. I mean, this podcast is in its fourth episode, so this stuff is is especially in its infancy to me. And that's again why I wanted to have you on, just because people don't realize how long you've really been in this industry. So I think that that's important. But when you talked about you know starting from the beginning and going to college, do you think in today's age? And again, I know you're in Canada, which is maybe looked at a little bit different in the United. States, but you think that it's absolutely imperative that somebody do go to college to pursue a um, a journalism degree or a sports journalism t- uh, degree for these com- these bigger companies to kind of even look at somebody? No, I, I I don't think it is. I think I think it depends on the person. And with me, I, one of the things I loved about it, I didn't love taking journalism in in university, but I did like it was a small liberal arts college, and I did like that sort of thing. And it really helped me to think in a different way and and grow. And that was the most important part because because when I started in the workforce, everything that I learned was basically now obsolete. Like they they <laughs> right. weren't preparing me for the internet, and we really really didn't know. So I kind of loved that I now had this new thing. I could throw out all those rules that they've been living by for all these decades and have been having a lot of success with them because I didn't necessarily buy into them. But it, it did teach me to think in a different way. I think that's what my degree gave me. So it was really important for me because I was kind of uh, a jockey kind of guy out of high school that uh, thought I was a lot smarter than I was. And that really helped blow up my mind and help me think in a different way. I don't think everybody has to do that. I think some people are just smarter than I am uh, coming out of school and that sort of thing. And I think if you can really dig in and have an open mind and just work your butt off. I mean, the old cliches are true, but if you are willing to work really, really hard, that's going to overcome a lot. Yeah, completely. And speaking to that, that's why I brought this question up um, because you did go to college and, and this is something when I originally moved to Las Vegas, I was going to go back to college, not back to school, but I was going to go to school for the first time at 27 for sports journalism uh, at UNLV. And uh, it's, again, I go back to, you know, kind of where my road took me as I knew that I wanted to bet on sports professionally and bet on it full time. And I, I didn't think that I could do that and while concentrating on, on algebra one, you know, or, or history mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. all these things, no matter if I could take classes online or if I couldn't. And so that that path that I thought I was going to go down didn't really work out the way that I wanted to. But yet I'm still, you know, in this position of, of exposure and and where I am now. But I just wanted people to, you know, I agree. I don't think that in today's day and age, um, you have to go to college. And I just wanted to see kind of somebody's take on on where that was. But how long um, how long did it take you or did you find covers or did they find you coming out of uh, university? I found covers. I kind of I had a whole plan here, and I I, uh, I had to do a fourth year project on a media issue. And when I stumbled across them, I was like, oh well, why don't I check these guys out? And uh, if this goes well, maybe they'll let me have an internship, which they did, and then maybe they'll hire me after that, which they did. So it kind of all worked out perfectly. And I guess you could say I, I bet on them a little bit, having some success, and they bet on me too. And uh, so so I found them. 
them and and uh, just kind of got in and built a relationship. And that that's true too. I mean, how how much you can build a relationship and people are willing to take a chance on you. And and we were just all in it together. We we're just really fighting to make a name and build something great in, in the space we were in. But but I agree with you. I don't I don't think you you need a degree or anything like that. And what I didn't have, I had the journalism side of it. I had the uh, you know I guess I you know I had the degree side of it. And I loved sports and I, and I was really follow, passionate about following sports. But I didn't have the sports betting side of things when I first came in. So when I first started, I was really learning you know other than understanding what a point spread was and the over under. I really didn't know that much about sports betting. So that's what I was missing. And that's what I really had to dig into and learn and, uh, you know, get good at. And I think if you, if you have that, I think a lot of people have that passion. They bring the sports betting knowledge and experience and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it's learning the other side of things. And, and there's really no set path right now. There's so many, there's new mediums coming out all the time, uh, different ways you can connect with people. And it's, I mean, sometimes I think, I, I think people in the real world should be should be teaching universities what's going on right i agree you know it's uh there's no set path and and i i embrace that i still embrace that i think you have to and it's just learning all the time and trying different things i completely agree man i I, seriously i couldn't agree more especially which leads me into kind of where i want to take this next which is social media because you know when i first started kind of on quote-unquote gambling Twitter or or sports gambling podcast, you know, I always talk about my story with with getting involved with SGP and this platform and and kind of getting to the point where I am now of being their editor and the head uh, content guy for all their written stuff and this podcast. Like, I was a fan, and all I did was was interact with them. We started playing, like, Mm -hmm. fantasy games together, and eventually their fantasy guy kind of bowed out, and this was probably, you know, two, three years ago, and obviously our relationship's grown into what it is now, but what do you think the impact is on social social media, um, kind of geared towards the job, I don't want to call it the job market, but, you know, going from posting free for exposure into kind of how these companies are, or what kind of people, if they want to do their own thing and all that type of stuff kind of, kind of change the game. Because again, when you talk about, you know, you back in 2002, 2003, the, the path to ever get into journalism was you go to school, you know, you intern, you work at, you know, a newspaper or, you know, with the kind of the boom of the internet, you know, these type places now, but what do you, how do you think kind of social media or these online platforms? forums like media or ESPN chalk covers odd chalk all these places has kind of changed it's well it's given the individual uh, a platform that didn't exist before like you said before you had to go through another media entity and build your name through them but you see so many people now that are building good uh, good followings and reputations and delivering great information just starting from scratch on uh, social platforms and and I think Twitter is the most important one in in sports betting in terms of information in terms of the people on there Uh, you have to really filter your way just because it's so quick do you think that twitter is the most important because it's so quick because it's so quick and because yeah it's you can filter it and and just kind of uh make it your own you can customize it to to what you need so you can you can find so many people if you're patient and you dig you find the following that you need or you find the list that you need and that sort of thing to give you the information you want and if it's not reliable you cut it out and if it's not reliable pretty quickly people on twitter will will take care of that and 
and people kind of fall by the wayside. So for you figure out over time who the reliable information is coming from, who you can depend on and, uh, and you get it quickly. Yes. And, uh, up to speed, up to date as the day goes on and all that sort of thing. Live video is becoming more and more important in there too. So, and it's also such a quick way to socially interact. I think, I think, I don't think Facebook is geared quite the same way that, that Twitter is. Um, but it, it, it kind of, it almost is eliminating a lot of the forums. The forums used to be the really big deal in the industry that that's where you had to go to talk to people and figure out information. Uh, but they can be difficult. And, um, you know, I think Twitter has sort of replaced those, uh, and, uh, it's just, it's just been such a massive influence and such a helpful tool for me in sports betting. Of course. And were you involved in kind of, because basically whenever you talk about forums, the one that some, that people always will bring up to this day is covers and it's the covers forums, <laughs> which is kind of, it's been the standard in, in those type of settings for forever. And if anyone doesn't know, that's only on social media or only on Twitter, um, I guess it'd be better to hear it from you, but can you just kind of give a brief overview of what forums are, what kind of how they got started and if you had anything to do with kind of bringing them to the forefront when you were back at covers in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're uh, in your early twenties out there listening, you're probably going, huh? Yeah. Like, well, I, I've heard of those before, but uh, it's almost I don't know, almost like a Reddit is today. It was just a community where people could it's like go. A big message board, basically. Ex- exactly, where where people could go with uh, who were like minded and talk about all sorts of topics, and they're usually filtered down into whatever sport or topic you wanted to talk about, and uh, and it just grew from there and uh it, the one tough ch- the one challenge with forums i think over time was was uh they became clicky people became right. uh aggressive in them and and that sort of thing whereas twitter is just it just feels more open i think it feels much easier just to start on twitter and to block people or mute people that that uh, are causing you issues and it's not in a confined space it's much more open but for for a long time forums were a vital part of your handicap if you were a serious handicapper, it's where people will go to to talk about games, and I, I, it's almost hard to imagine that people handicap games a different way. Like they, they used to have to, the uh, you know the old wise guys, they used to have to go down and meet at the sports book or meet at a coffee <laughs> yeah. shop, you know, once a week, and and there was a limited number of people you you could network with. So this really blew everything wide open. The traffic was insane in those forums. Did you have anything to do with kind of bringing or you know creating those forums back in the day? Or was that was that kind of more of of that? You know, were there specific people that were brought in to kind of handle those? And while you did the editing and all that. I really stayed out of the forums. It was a bit of a jungle in there. My yeah. role was uh, to to grow the editorial and uh, build that voice and build that content. So that's where I was really focused. I'd poke my head in and get some information from time to time and things like that and see what was going on. But uh, but I really stayed out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So transitioning over from so you left covers um, and moved over to Odd Shark. So if you just kind of talk about how basically you know. It's rare that you find somebody with that's worked within two of the biggest platforms within media when it comes to sports handicapping. So I wanted to kind of, you know, again, not to say there's anything you know better than one or the other. Obviously, you're you're at one employer now and used to be at another. But is there any not kind of the differences, but just kind of what took you away from covers and brought you over to Odd Shark? 
Well, it's I, I, I'm someone who kind of is always looking to challenge and uh, and grow and do all that sort of thing. And 14 years, they were 14 wonderful years. It, it was it was just a really great experience. I developed, uh, you know, I got I just got so much experience and uh, there while I was there. But 14 years, it was time to to, to try something new. And the company had sold uh, to Grace Note and the Tribune Group at the time, and it was kind of a window for me to uh, to poke my head out around there and get a fresh start and see see what was going on. So it was really just a time to do something new. And at the time, I was managing a lot. I was driving editorial strategy and uh, Odd Shark. I just heard so many great things about it and had seen all the great work that they were doing. So when I met with them, uh, I just right away wanted to uh, wanted to uh, you know uh, be a part of it. And uh, my role changed a little bit. Where I'm a sports analyst now, my I'm I'm in front of the camera or, or on air a lot more and really digging back into the sports again. I'm still looking for new ways to make great content and and all that sort of thing. But but now I'm building my own sort of uh, personality and entity out there for the odd shark and uh, so it's a lot of fun so i'm back heavily involved in in the betting day-to-day sports side of things again and it's just it's just such a fantastic company that's uh that's has, sort of has the mentality i'm looking for it's it's in that growth you know hyper growth sort of mode and and everything going well and and people looking to try new things and, and that sort of thing it, it reminds me a little bit of, of of what it was at covers in the early days but um but uh these guys just have so many good things going uh and it's just such a fun thing to be a part of for sure and that's i'm glad you brought up video because that's something i want to talk about too is being diverse and be in the more things that you can do within media the better off you're going to be again i always just try to you know when i started this again like now i'm doing written stuff i'm doing podcasting i haven't done video but again that's what i want to talk about is how important is it for you to be diverse or do you think it is to focus in on one thing you're really really good at like for instance if somebody's a phenomenal writer and they can create great sports handicapping content writing but they fumble around you know on video or they have you know they're not confident enough to be on video and have people kind of put themselves out there like that do you think that people can still kind to survive only doing one thing do you think that video is the future do you think that written content will always be the king or where do you kind of see you know the diversity or different avenues of media kind of going and which one do you think right now is is kind of king yeah i i think uh I, that's a tough question. Which one is king? But I agree that I would say that you find the one you are best at. Some people can be good at all of them. I try to be good at all of them. I, I'm still learning it every day. That's I think I'll always feel that way. Right. So, um, but I think you can do just one. I think there are guys in the industry that that uh, write more than anything, and that's what they're good at, and they do that. I think there are guys on radio who are fantastic and and uh, and do that really well. And I think there are guys on video that that do really well. Um, it depends what your audience wants and it depends what you are, what you can deliver on. Um, so I, like, I really believe in, in trying to be present and mindful and, and doing one thing well at a time. So I, I, I've learned the hard way over the years that if you try to do every single thing, uh, at the top level, it's probably not going to work out. You get burnt so, out. 
For sure. You get burnt out and you really, you know, you can't compete at the highest level with the very best with every single thing. So I think it starts with, with something that, that you're really good at. I think, uh, for me, the live video and periscopes was something I really branched out on this year and, and had some success with, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, every time I'm on air, I feel like I learn a little bit, you know, and, and if, and if I'm doing this another 10 or 20 years, I feel like I'm still going to feel that way. Um, but you can kind of find the, the, the the medium for you and really develop a following. Some people are only on Twitter and you don't even know their names, but they're trustworthy and they build great content and they do all that sort of thing. Uh, so I don't think you have to do a whole bunch of different things. And I think the user should come to recognize you for something. It's like, here's, you know, here's Johnny Oddshark. He's on radio. I like him in this spot with this guy or on this podcast or that sort of thing. So I think you should be really good at one thing and uh i wouldn't advise trying to do everything yeah and that's i'm glad you brought this up when you said uh people kind of posting under aliases or things like that this has always been fascinating to me when i first joined twitter i had no idea that people didn't use just their first and last name like i thought it was just like facebook like you don't see somebody <laughs> on facebook going by you know king capper millionaire you know what i mean like yeah. you don't see some of these fucking like these weird kind of aliases and things like that. And I always didn't really, again, I wanted to kind of go down the path that you did of being kind of, you know, I wanted to create content for pertinent outlets, if not do my own thing and kind of, you know, build my own, whatever mm -hmm. it was, my, you know, hashtag brand. But mm -hmm. what do you think it's better for somebody to kind of go the alias route and kind of be somewhat protected? And I know this kind of splits in two different areas because some people don't want to post pics and things like that under their real name, um, mm -hmm. which again, you know, handicapping and, and posting social media or not social media, but media and, and kind of doing the things that you do or they go lockstep absolutely, but they're a little bit different. So do you think it's important for somebody to always use their real name if they're looking to break into this industry or do it as an alias? Well, it, it depends how public and, and what you want to do. And, I, you know, I, 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 I take some pride now, I, I guess before I hadn't thought about it, uh, but I take some pride now in the fact that I've always used my real name. I've always used my real identity in the sports betting industry. And I've never, I've never felt any reason not to do that. And uh, I just, from a transparency and credibility standpoint, I, I hope that helps me a little bit. And, you know, I, I always wanted to uh, build build content and, and, uh, be known out there. And, and, uh, you know, now I certainly want my face out there as much as possible just to represent the brand and help people out in, in, uh, sports betting. So I, I think it's certainly important for me. I, it, you know, certainly what bothers me the most is when people aren't giving great information and they're hiding behind, uh, uh, a false identity or people are, or people are being trolls and going out and being negative. I mean, if, if you can handle not being negative and, and, picking, you know, picking fights with people and doing all that crap. I just, I just find that stuff so spineless when you're going out there and uh, looking for it when nobody knows who you are, you're not putting your name or your reputation behind what you're saying. And it's mostly just to stir up stuff. So I think you can do it. And I think there's some good people out there that are providing really good information that just aren't comfortable because they have other jobs and they're worried about the way people are going to judge them because of sports betting. And, and, and I told Totally get that. Uh, I just think if you're going to do that, you have to you have to stay positive. You can't be picking fights. You you know you have to be you have to give good information. And that's the thing, right? To me, it comes down to you're basically 
when I'm trying to think how I want to word this, but you're trying to make yourself a brand. And so to do that, you know, whenever, you know, covers is a kind of a play on words. It's a great name. Odd shark, same thing. But for people, again, I mean, going over some of the kind of the most, quote, I don't want to say famous, but some of the most well-known kind of alias names on social media, um, you know, people like the Vegas refund or the white whale or kind of, uh, we'll see a couple other ones, Sledgehammer, um, Sandman, Kingpin Picks, guys like those that are very, you know, those, I mean, those guys have, you know, some of them are Vegas refunders over 20,000 followers. I think Sandman has 15,000 followers and kind of what they've done. And th not to say they don't make content. The White Whale has, a, has an awesome podcast called The Deep Dive. He's on Medium. He does a ton of great things. But they've, what those guys have done, and again, I know it's just, giving out picks, but they've made a brand for themselves and they've mm -hmm. kind of, and I think that that particular avenue works out very well. But again, there's a fine line between making a brand for yourself and again, doing out, going out there for the wrong reasons to just kind of hide behind a keyboard. The other thing yeah. that I think is kind of a downfall of, of using an alias or, or a different name and things like that is you, once you've built that audience, you know, say somebody has a, a 30,000 Twitter followers under one of those brand names and now somebody, and they're also creating content. If a, a website comes to them and says, you know, we want to kind of take a look at you or bring you on to create content for us, if they, you know, make the stipulation that you have to use your your real name just because that's kind of how mainstream media is, you're going to lose a huge portion of your audience because not lose them, but people aren't going to know who you are. And if you want to kind of convert your audience over, you have to eventually come out with who you actually are and they will see it, you know, kind of when you post mainstream articles and things like that. That's why I always went with my my real name um, was just because, again, I always wanted, uh, I knew the direction I wanted to do, which was kind of semi both, which was kind of bring, bring content, create, create content, but also kind of go down the picks Avenue and handicapping. Cause I think that they do go such lockstep. So those are kind of my takes on the pros and cons of each. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, uh, a lot of times and the guys you mentioned are all great follows and, and, uh, have built great followings because they're, they're credible. They don't, you know, they don't troll, they don't get into those sorts of things, but it's, I mean, sometimes people, they don't have a plan with you. You, you had a clear sort of goal and I, and I did too. I knew what I wanted to do. And, uh, and it's like all of a sudden they've got five or 10,000 or 20,000 followers. And it's like, Oh boy, maybe, you know, I, maybe I could monetize this and then right. it's like how, how do I do that if I I might have to build a brand all over again but um so there there are challenges with it but uh but yeah it's it, the, the other gambling Twitter's tough sometimes too so people don't want to put their real name out there because when you're yeah. starting out it's uh the the uh people can be ferocious out there and it's tough to take sometimes Exactly. And one thing I will say in today's day and age, I talked about how, how mainstream media, you know, they're obviously going to kind of want you to use your real name. And that's not true in all cases. I mean, if you look at companies like Barstool or Barstool Sports, I mean, they have Big Cat, PFT Commentator, mm -hmm. KFC. I mean, those aren't... Uh, you know, they're kind of a play on their real names and things like that. Like Big Cat is his real name is Dan Katz or KFC is is his initials <clears throat> or, you know, El Prez. Everyone knows who Dave Portnoy is, but he, he went by El Presidente for a very long time. So mm -hmm. with the evolution of mainstream media and these, I want to say millennial companies, because it makes me sound old, but, you know, mm -hmm. these these new companies, I mean, it is an avenue as long as you have a brand and a following. I think that you'll be just fine regardless. It's just, again, it depends on what you want to get out of it. But when you talk about kind of rebranding or you said, you know, if you have to make a brand for yourself, if, if you kind of, I don't want to say had to start over because uh, it's doesn't, it's not as if you'd ever have to start over, but if you were just starting out and, you know, you wanted to kind of 
go down this path in today's day and age? What kind of advice would you give anybody or, or where would they, would you tell people to start and kind of, you know, take the first steps into this, be it social media or, or, or what? Yeah, I, I would say start on Twitter and start betting. I would say learn, learn as much as you possibly can about betting uh, early on and uh, get on Twitter and listen to what guys are saying and what they're talking about. Try different things. You're, you're going to have to, if you want to really dig in and learn as much as you can about this, it's going to, it's going to mean betting and, and that's probably going to mean losing some money. You can do that while still betting responsibly and uh, to learn this, but, but you, you have to dive in from there because first and foremost, you have to understand what people want before you can then deliver what you want. So, so that's what I would say is, is start on Twitter, social media there and get into betting and just have fun. I mean, just, I, I would just be transparent and have fun and say, Hey, I'm learning, help me out. What are, what are the best ways to do it? And, uh, if you love it, you, you know, it, it'll be something you want to work hard at. I think, I think that is what's lost in a lot of people wanting to break into this industry. It's the same with odds makers, the same with the other guys on uh, behind the counter people think it's a cool job but i i few people until they it do it not, really they did, nobody really understands understand the grind that it is man how much work exactly it is it is so much work and never stops and and uh you know i try to help people year round in different sports so there's there's a huge commitment that comes with that so if you don't love it you're, you're gonna be miserable you're gonna be <laughs> the most miserable person out there you might as well be digging ditches because that's uh, that's what it'll feel like it's uh, it, it, you, you have to be passionate about this and uh, just really dig in because it's all consuming. You have to be you have to be watching sports, following social media, betting, learning all the time. And that's uh, that's tricky to do. Also trying to have a life. Absolutely, bro. People don't understand. I always talk about, you know, again, my time is somewhat split with betting professionally and putting out content. People don't understand like the hours and, and the, you know, it's, it's like being a, an isolated stockbroker. It really is your, you know, from a, from a betting perspective, you know, again, there's different levels to this. And if you're a recreational better and you're just starting out, you're not going to really care about going out at 2am to get, to get a number that just pops somewhere. You're just, it's not worth right. it. But you talked about, you know, how you can bet responsibly, but that's the only point to learn. Um, I, I echo those sentiments exactly. And I used to really wanted to get into uh, playing poker just because I was out here in Vegas. I had a couple of professional poker player guys that I was kind of close with. And they were like, you know, I was like, can you like come to my house or can we meet at a casino? Can you teach me? And they were like, dude, you don't understand. Like the only way to learn how to play poker is to mm -hmm. lose playing poker. And I think <laughs> that the same exact thing holds true for sports betting. Um, but again, we talk about how social media has changed things. And what that has done is it's allowed the fact that if you're good and if you're talented, the cream will always rise to the top. And yeah. when you really think about how far that that's come, and again, the whole overall theme of this podcast in, in general is taking a look at how social media has changed things. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons is before it, with anything, whether you were a singer, if you were a rapper or whatever it is that you do, you it wasn't enough to just be talented. You could have been the best in the world, but if nobody heard you or you didn't hear the get the right people to hear your stuff or read your content, it wasn't going to matter. And, you know, this is if you go back further and further, I mean, you're talking about, you know, having to physically mail people, you know, samples of your work or, or your songs or whatever it is that you're into with social media. Now, I mean, everything has changed in that 
as long as you're engaging and you're, you know, talking to people and you're sending DMs, if you're, you know, I always say if you're not being annoying, then you're really probably not trying. And there's a fine line between <laughs> being, you know, annoying in that you want to learn and, you know, other than trolling people and stuff like that. But with, again, with social media, if you're talented, I cannot say this enough, you will be noticed eventually. And it may take yeah. a lot longer than than you really want. And you um, you may have to write for, for free for a while. And some of the best people on social media or doing these co these content pieces are doing it because they're doing it for free because they're in their exposure phase. And I always talk about how there's there's different phases to this. And, and one of them is always, I mean, every single person you talk to, whether they're in journalism for sports or they're in it for anything else, they work for free. And they were as yes, fantasy writers is, is a huge one. I mean, that space is so overcrowded right now. There's, there's people that are working for free literally just to get, you know, their foot in the door and everything. And that's people with families because that's, you know, that's kind of their dream. And there's a lot of parallels to, to the fantasy aspect of it, especially with DFS now um, in sports handicapping. But again, with social media now, you know, I always talk about networking. Um, so how important do you think networking is? Because I really personally, I think it's absolutely everything. Yeah, it, it, it's huge. It's it's absolutely huge. And um, uh, from an information standpoint, from your bets, from in terms of uh, just building connections, like you, one thing about sports betting I found is you never know who's going to be the next, you know, kind of star or media media personality in the industry. Like you just you just don't know. And, uh, you know, you can kind of see the people that work really hard and are committed to it. And so it could be somebody like several times in the in the industry it's people i met or started connections with five years before and they become you know and, and then they become media entities in in the industry years later so it's uh like it stick with it and just and just keep working and, and it's funny it, it, it can be disheartening sometimes you feel like you write the best thing or do the best video you're you know that you feel you want to help people with with their sports betting you're like well nobody really commented on this or or whatever but you do something else down The bigger you get, the more the like the the better your content seems to be, even though you might have done it a long time ago. Uh, but that's just the nature of it. And uh, but but keep keep working at it. And I, I know I know how tough it can be, but it's so important to to, to network and, and build. And because uh, you just never know who's going to pop up next. It's so true. And again, I always I don't want to keep going back to my story and things like that, but. My some of the best people in the world that I've learned the absolute most from, including you, is because of networking. I mean, everybody is a friend of a friend of somebody. You know, people always talk about six degrees separation, seven degrees, whatever it is. But this is such a I don't want to say close knit, but it's a small world when it comes to sports gambling media. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that everyone knows everybody, but again, if you're good enough, you're going to get noticed. But everybody, it is so much easier to do that if you know somebody. Um, it really is. And everyone knows somebody here. And, and if you're good and if you're generally a good person, people will try to help you out. And that's why I say that networking is absolutely everybody, is is everything to me. Um, I wouldn't be any, I wouldn't literally be having this conversation with you on two different levels. One, because I didn't interact and network with the people who ran Sports Gambling Podcast. And two, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you because I didn't know somebody who knew you you know what i mean so it's <laughs> it's literally a, everything starts there and if you're not working for kind of a global company like a covers like an odd shark like espn chalk kind of these outlets 
all you have is networking. And so you can build, you know, you can, anybody can sit in their house and, and make a sports gambling podcast as long as you have somebody to talk to, which is networking. Anyone can write content that doesn't take anybody. So again, to me, it's, it's just, it's the absolute, uh, it's kind of at the forefront. It's kind of what I think is the most absolutely imperative thing that you must do is, is build a group, you know, start a DM on group DM on Twitter, start a group text, whether it's your friends or whoever it is, because it, again, you, you never want to stop learning, but, um, that's kind of, kind of where I see networking, but not to keep you too long, man. I want to wrap this up. Is there, again, I keep going back to advice for anyone that's trying to look back in the field. Is there anything big, uh, kind of, you know, from everything you've learned being in this business for so long that you have now that, you know, you always started just saying, just work hard, but is there anything kind of tips of the trade that you can give anybody? Um, I, 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 this may sound cliche, but, but never stop learning out there. It's, uh, the things change so fast. So yeah, work hard and, and never stop learning. I, I just, I just feel like I, I try to come bring my brain with it with a relatively clean slate every day when I come to work and what's what's new what can I do what are people looking at what you know so I would say understand the audience as much as you can through the audience's eyes and which isn't you I think when I was younger I had a hard time understanding that I thought everybody <laughs> everybody was wanted the same thing as I did but you know I think over time I just really that's where I start all my content is really trying to to get in the user's head uh, and, and try to figure out what they want. And uh, it's because there's a lot of people out there looking for information. So I would say that just really try to try to think about what what is missing and what the the average sort of user wants. Yeah, I agree. I think that being at the cutting edge is, is something, uh, what's next. That's what I always try to ask myself is what is, I mean, there's handicappers literally posting their fucking pics on Snapchat and Snapchat only because it reaches a bigger <laughs> audience of, of, of their thing, you know? So if you can kind of see what the next thing coming is, and I always talk about, there's a, there's somewhat of an art of being noticed, um, whether it's using hashtags. I mean, there's, there's literal workshops and classes on how to gain followers or gain, you know, a following on social media, but Again, that's something for another thing, but I just wanted to kind of get somebody that's that's been in this business for as long as you have. Um, and one last thing, where do places like Covers or like Odd Shark or ESPN Shock or CBS Sportsline, any of these places kind of post jobs or, or do you, you know, do you know anything about that if somebody is looking for to get into this field? Uh, I, I don't, I always found people, I found, uh, I got, I got several people started in the industry around, uh, that, uh, that I just found through networking. And honestly, I would, uh, cause that was my job as managing editor was to find good, good talent. And, uh, I, I would, I would find, uh, there were a couple job boards around there, I think for sports journalists. I don't know if they're still kicking around, but, um, I, I would find, I would literally reach out to people. I like their writing and, uh, they might mention odds or something like that. And I would reach out to them. And so I got a ton of no's, a ton of people that didn't work out over the years, but just staying with it and having contact with them, I was just able to find people and sometimes through other people and, uh, just worked out. It was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Yeah. Again, that's how it all goes back to networking. And 
again, there's uh, the last thing I would tell people is, is be ready when it does happen um, because it, ha- it always happens quick. And if, if you finally do get somebody to read, you know, say your favorite, your best piece that you've ever written and you don't have more samples to back that up and then, you know, it, it sucks to squander an opportunity and not to sound eight mile on you, but opportunity sometimes only does come once in a lifetime, you know, mm-hmm. so be ready for it when it does come and, and kind of just have, you know, make them say stop. Okay. You're sending us too, too much stuff. You know, have, <laughs> right. have your best samples. If you do podcasting, you know, have those, just have everything ready. And, and I think in today's day and age, again, talent will always win out, but yeah, for sure. But that's it, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find all of your great work? Uh, you can find me at Oddshark and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. So uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Christian. Good talking to you, man. All right. And that will wrap things up again. Special thanks to John Campbell of Odd Shark for coming on and kind of giving you guys a glimpse into what it takes to make it in the sports handicapping content world. I hope that if you guys have anything, any other questions in it, um, again, I'm not exactly at the point in my career that John is, but I know for a fact that both him and myself will be more than happy to help you guys in, in any way if, if getting into this field is something that is what you guys are looking to do. Again, I get this question a lot in my DMs. So I hope that kind of gave you a, a broad overview of some different outlets that are available to you and, and a place to get started. And, and that's all it is. And again, as I've touched on throughout this podcast, talent will always win out and, and hard work will will get where you get you where you need to go. I really, truly believe that, especially in this field. So until next time, guys, thank you as always. Rate, subscribe, listen on iTunes. And thank you again. Again, next episode of Inside Vegas will be on Monday. So I will catch you guys then. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.